Hey everyone, this is Aaron. I will be taking a vacation, at least from podcasting for a while. I hope you enjoy these rebroadcast episodes from our Hall of Fame archives. You know, we started this podcast because so many black belts and green belts, what I was finding is they get out of their training, they're really overwhelmed with the information, and they're just kind of like left a little bit empty, wondering, okay, what's next? Chances are many organizations that have just started the program don't have that flexibility or luxury of having a mentor kind of reinforces or gives some, how do you say, confirmation to, hey, what I'm hearing or what I'm doing actually makes sense, or this is what I'm struggling with, and that's common, so that's fine. So that's why you and I are here each week to be their regular coaches. So we're going to continue to support all of you guys who are listening, so long as you continue to support us. We really appreciate you joining us on our journey. Tell your friends and colleagues all about us. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review to help us reach more Lean Six Sigma and quality professionals you can search for eSuccess Methods Podcast in the search field on iTunes, or you can find us under the Business and Career section. And uh, by all means, keep listening. We have lots more coming. And if you ever have feedback or ever have some comments or even if you need a quick coaching tip, feel free to reach out on our website, eSuccessMethods.com. Welcome to the eSuccess Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your source for expert advice on Lean, Six Sigma, and performance improvement methods. In this episode number 20, part 404 of the Financial Benefits Series, Layoffs, If You Must, You Must. We discuss alternative ways to protect operations and your improvement programs from the damage and disruptions that come with the classic layoff. Here we go. Hey, Jacob, how are you? Hi, Adam. I'm good. Jacob, we're, today we're hitting our milestone of 20 episodes. Woohoo! Yeah, and uh, I'm calling this part four of the... Uh, of our financial benefits and metrics. It's actually our fifth episode, but uh, split the last one into 3A and 3B. You know, and I realize that as we've been talking through financial benefits, you know, as I listen to these, like, you know, I'm coming across a little strong with my complete and utter disdain for layoffs being associated with a Lean Six Sigma program. I don't I don't know if you noticed that at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't... Yeah, maybe we spoke about it a little too much, but I still think it happens enough that uh, anytime people see savings, they want to, uh, you know, get that to the bottom line immediately. So that I don't think it's it's wrong in us bringing up that level. I don't mm-hmm. know if the amount we brought it up is reality. You know, it was interesting. I was just on uh, Reddit today looking. This is my first time on Reddit, and I was looking for Lean Six Sigma topics on there to see if anybody's posting anything. And uh, one person from the UK, you know, seemed really worried about, uh, actually it wasn't the UK, it was somewhere in Europe, really worried about Lean Six Sigma in the government. And, um, you know, they likened it to a cult and um, and some fanatical religion. And I was like, oh my God. And, <laughs> and the responses that he got, you know, he's like, I'm not sure what's going on with this thing, but I'm really scared about it. And I'm thinking, what are you scared about? And... Um, you know the responses he's, he got were like, "Yeah, it's just an excuse to lay people off, and it's only fifty percent effective." And I'm like, "I'm like, who are these people?" You know, it's like, <laughs> so there, there really is, um, you know, on the outskirts, there's, there's actually some fear associated with this, and, and, um, so that's just, you know, uh, and to have lean equal layoff is uh, really kind of scary, and, and it, and it goes to how, and it's absolutely contrary to you know the Toyota production system what lean is supposed to stand for but it goes to show you 
if implemented incorrectly, you know, one leads to the other and that's, you know, the, the negative image can prevail. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to go off topic, but, you know, let's be honest between you and me. Of all the people that can use Lean, it is probably the government offices that need it. <laughs> I'm going to save this for another topic because I actually was on a, a phone call um, with uh, Newt Gingrich. Not, you know, he and I were chatting, you know. Now, he was, when he was running for the pre- presidency or, or going for the primary, uh, yeah. I sat in on that phone call and I was like, you know, uh, I was like, oh, you know, this would be neat. There's like a, fi- a thousand people there. And then I'm listening and I'm listening and I'm thinking, and I was hearing about all the waste in government and all the wasted contracts. And then, and then it dawned on me, and I'm going to save this for another episode, dawned on me that I like, I said, oh my God, lean in the government would be very, very bad for our country. I'm just going to leave it there. We'll save that for okay. another episode. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, so maybe we'll finally get a comment by me saying something like that. We have yet to have any comments, so maybe <laughs> maybe somebody will will uh, take take notice to that one and say something. All right. So the the title for this one is layoffs. If you must, you must, but please be proactive. And a little bit of a disclaimer as as we go in there uh, to this episode. Um, uh, the best way to disassociate your improvement program with layoffs is to not lay off, which is kind of what we've been saying all along. But if you must, you must. Included in this cast are proactive tactics to avoid damaging operations and improvement initiatives as a result. And this this advice obviously does not apply to when a company's market falls through and just simply must cut in order to avoid you know bankruptcy. They're just trying to stay alive. You know those things happen. You can't really avoid it. Um, there are some of these other things that we will talk about that you can avoid just by being a little bit more proactive, by managers doing what managers are supposed to do, and that's managing the performance of their team. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more of that. So the importance of not laying off because of a successful project. We kind of talked about this. You know, what happens? What happens if, hey, you know, I have a team of people, everybody helped go, and then as a reward for the project's success, somebody gets let go from that very same team, more than likely. That that can be very, very, very damaging because it's just going to make the others feel, okay, I helped this, one of my team members got cut. Now if I do one more, is it going to be me next? There's that fear factor that comes into play. Sure. Or even the, you know, sometimes it's just the supervisors, and I've seen this uh, directly, you know, we actually had um, one of the better black belts that I've worked with was uh, nicknamed the Grim Reaper because, and even his best friends wouldn't let him in the area. It's just like every time you come in here, I lose another head. I don't want you to come work in my area, um, and that's that's pretty rough situation to be in um, when uh, you're just doing your job and supervisors doing their job protecting his turf, and uh, you, you end up getting someplace that's. You know who who wins? There's really no winning uh, in that sort of situation. Okay, so curious question. You know, if uh, I keep talking about you know how layoffs and all these things affect negatively affect a program and the buy-in for the program, the benefits really come. You know, for Lean Six Sigma program, they really come when you hit that bottom level of a cultural change when everybody's 
accepted and starts using continuous improvement in their daily activities, whether it's you know moving a toolbox from here to there so that they don't have to walk across a room or maintaining 5S, you really want to get it down to the, the daily, daily things. If we're talking about a you know the desire to have a a cultural um, established uh, establishment of the Lean Six Sigma program, why do we emphasize hard savings and return on investment so much? Well, I think one of the ones that typically happens is it's always about what value are you delivering to the company, right? Mm-hmm. How are you improving the profitability? What were you increasing the bottom line? You know, you have a team now. Hopefully, there is a continuous improvement team, a black belt team, whatever you call them. What is, you know, I'm, I've hired five people. What is the return on investment on that group? Right. Or mm-hmm. that could be one. Or it's, you know, there is, uh, you know, expectations from the board of governors or from the shareholders, whoever that might be, that I want to yield every year X percentage of return or X percentage improvement in profitability. Mm-hmm. And how are you going to get to that? You know, you can do some things by making improvements or projects. If you are not hitting that number, what's the other alternative to be able to hit that number? Right, sure. So, you know, those are two things that clearly come into play. In some companies, you start employing, say, consultants to come help you. Mm -hmm. For the consultants to prove what they've brought to the table or what they have, the easiest way for them to show how they can bring value is, again, by, hey, by us helping you improve your productivity or by improving your cost, this is what you're able to reduce or this is what you can reduce, so now it's your turn to go ahead and reduce it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know, how do you translate that? Again, it's much easier done typically through cost cutting. Right, so the shareholders, I mean, they get their value by bo- top-line and bottom-line improvement. They, they really like to see costs go down, and they really also want to see you know the profits go up. Profits go up. Um, so their vested interest is getting paid, you know, and that's how they get paid by... And it, I, you know, in a lot of areas, it's easier in a quarterly basis to make the costs go down, you know, in the nick of time for the quarterly report um, or annual report. It's easier than making you know sales go up in a lot of ways, right? Absolutely. And so that's their own, I'll call it ulterior motive. Um, they want payback. You know, they've invested; they want it back. That's that's how it is consultants also they have to prove themselves they have to some of them are operating on you know some percentage of hard savings generated yeah commission basis commission basis and matter of fact um mark graben uh in his lean blog um he has he has his own podcast as well he just addressed this uh, recently and he, you know it was like in in his consulting he will only do a flat rate because he so strongly believes that this is a bad approach, uh, and it because it leads exactly to what we're talking about is layoffs directly as a result of uh, a lean initiative. Um, and then there's also internal posturing. You know, there may be you know an internal spearhead or coach who's the first to bring an initiative in. There uh, could be a new executive, could be whomever who has you know something to prove. I guess what I'm really getting at is the people who are really pushing for the hard savings are often not the ones, you know, really in the trenches within the company. There's somebody on a little bit on the outskirts. Maybe they're at the top, but they're, they have motives that aren't really aligned with 
having a healthy program and more aligned with short-term gains either for themselves or um, or their shareholders. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why there's such a hard push for hard savings and return on investment. And, you know, I strongly believe that your best program and, and business benefits come from those things that are that we're actually equating with soft savings. If you're getting a lot of hard savings, it's an indication to me that you're not there yet. You're still working toward, you know, some some level of uh, program maturity. So anyway, layoffs. Let's talk about layoffs. Classic layoff I've seen, um, and th- this uh, may or may not be related to, you know, the state of the market, but let's say we have layoffs uh, as a result of some pro- program of project success Either way, typically what I've seen in as a classic layoff, you know, the managers, they give some sort of economic reason why it's necessary. Oh, we really need to control the cost. This year hasn't been as good as we want. Uh, we, we, got, we owe it to the shareholders, and they kind of give eh, a bit of a wishy-washy answer to whomever they're letting go. I say this because I was one to let go. There was few few typical patterns that I've seen, one of them being low seniority. That's where I was let go. I was I was let go from a company, and it was clear that it was I and the one person who was newer than I, uh, and the people who were not as new as I was, stayed. You know when they decided to dissolve our group. And this is actually strangely, it's typical of uh, more of a a labor union type. You know, high seniority stays, low seniority goes. So sometimes it's based on seniority. Sometimes it's actually based on poor performance. You ever seen? A poor performer get let go in a layoff. Absolutely, right. So it's it's one way of, I guess, just making it easy or an easy excuse to get rid of a poor f- performer, but not making it, not making them feel so bad. I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen people where they, in some cases, hold on to their chips too long, just for the fact that I need to have somebody ready in case a layoff comes around. So I'm going to use that chip when the layoff comes around. <laughs> Oh, interesting. I've 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 heard of that tactic being used by a union to hire a bunch of young people to protect themselves later on because they know every year there's one coming. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard of a, a manager holding on to somebody. Oh yeah, I've, I've personally experienced that a couple of times. <laughs> okay, um, and then there's the political outcast. Maybe they're performing well, but they don't necessarily get along with everybody. Maybe they're a little bit eccentric. Um, here's a hint. High C's. It's you. <laughs> Not necessary. I, I say that. I can say I'm a high C. I can say that. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, it might be somebody who who, who doesn't pol- political politicize or politicalize well um, and maybe just isn't quite fitting in with the rest. So, And then there's also high seniority, which is kind of a whole different ballgame where – you know, and I've had this at one of my old companies. You know, it was clear that they they hacked off everybody who was over fifty years old, and it was so clear that you know class action lawsuit and and the uh, people who got let go won because it was very blatant uh, ageism. But anyway, so those are the typical patterns I've seen: low seniority, poor performance, political outcasts, and high seniority. What I call the classic patterns that I've seen in layoffs. What are the alternatives? Let me back up. These classic layoffs, it doesn't matter how you lay off or what pattern you follow with these layoffs. Having them be associated with the Lean Six Sigma program makes it look like the Lean Six Sigma program got rid of them 
and that they weren't gotten rid of for other reasons, other reasons, economic or performance reasons at all, right? Exactly. I mean, that's the impression that people, you know, people sometimes try to read between lines or put two and two together. And it, for all you know, it might have got nothing to do with the program. But if that happens simultaneously or right alongside a project that just succeeded or was able to deliver some huge benefits, people are going to say, you know what, they're just doing it because of that. Right, right. There's that always that misconception that happens. So some alternatives, you know, how do we disassociate you know, if layoffs have to happen, we must save because we actually are doing this because we're going to, you know, lose business as a result. We must save. We we must reduce our headcount. What are our alternatives here? Well, one of the things that is most beneficial, you know, say if it was, again, if I think the, the suggestions we're giving is more related to if it is because of a part of a lean program or a Six Sigma project or whatever that is, made improvements, what do you do with the additional people now you have because you don't have work for them? Right, good point, and, yep. And, you know, the pretty much if you've improved productivity somewhere, you are going, you know, as a result, you can make more parts or you can do more things. So the next logical step is let's try and reallocate them to do something. So, for example... If you improved your productivity, you can say, hey, now I'm able to produce more parts. I have, with this lesser number of people, I have two additional people. Let me see if I can send them out to the field and start selling you know, the products that I can make more now. Right. So you actually have greater capacity, um, right? You can make more stuff and do it with less people. So now your, your constraint is actually sales, right? Exactly. So you're repurposing that individual who you would have laid off and trying to say, let me put this person in a different role and see if I can generate more profits as a result. Okay. Um, that's one of the things out there. That's probably the most popular recommendation I've seen, you know, from, from those who are saying, oh, no, you don't have to let them go. Just you use them somewhere else and, you know, now go to your, go to your other constraint, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, this whole concept has some pros and cons and i think it's worth probably discussing some of that okay some of the pros that i can think of you know cross-training and moving people in some other area is you can have a cross-trained employee workforce now you know there's somebody with a background say in manufacturing is now in your marketing or sales department who understands mm -hmm. how things work there you know you might have vice versa you know you've probably your Sales folks now, if you are in a pinch in manufacturing, can come back and help the manufacturing folks if you need to be. So there's that flexibility, almost like a floating resource concept that right. exists out there. Mm -hmm. um, there's, a, there's a concept of, you know, uh, some people just don't enjoy or like the new role they transition to. And they find their own way out to the next best thing or the next opportunity out there. Maybe they just leave as a result. So, like, um, if we put, you know, cross-train them and put them in a different area and maybe they don't like it, they, they leave on their own? Exactly. Yeah, natural attrition? Okay. Natural attrition. That, that could be an advantage of this process. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. Hey, Jacob, you remember when you used to work for me? Sure. 
Do you happen to remember how much money you were making back then? Yeah, I do. Yeah? And, yeah. and how much more you're making right now? I can do the math. And uh, how about that development plan that you and I put together during that time? Definitely gave me some perspective and gave me some direction on what I need to focus on. I found that useful. So far, I have a 100% promotion success rate for those people who are willing to work hard and were willing to work with me to create a customized career development plan, the E6S Pro Career Program. Three different levels promotion and pathfinding level, which is career planning, customized improvement plans, resume refinement, and interview preparation. The next level down is targeted for those people who are they're just looking to prepare for their next move. And because it really does pain me to see unemployed professionals, I am offering a level called Help Quick, a free one-time resume review and revision for those who are unemployed and in the Lean Six Sigma quality engineering project management or science fields. So for anybody who wants more details and information, these can be found at www.e6s-methods.com slash career. And if you're serious about career advancement, contact me through the website. You'll be glad you did. I can watch for that. There's always the other side, right? And I keep, I keep seeing this on my LinkedIn profile a lot now, you know, CEO asking a person or the CFO is asking a CEO, you know, what if I train this employee and that employee quits? Right. Right, you know, so there's that worry. So I've trained this guy in another skill now, and now he can be marketable. Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is, what if I don't train this guy and the guy stays? Right. <laughs> you know, right. I keep seeing that a lot. So I guess you can look at it from both angles. Mm-hmm. But that you're giving the op- you're giving the opportunity for a person to grow. You're probably also taking a risk of that person looking outside because either they're not happy or they want to grow even more. You know, it's interesting. As a side note, you know, the aerospace company I worked for. You know, they they would pay for your education. It didn't matter what you got your education in. You you could be an aerospace engineer and want to, you know, take cooking classes or, you know, t- uh, get your master's in music. didn't matter. They would pay for it. And it, part of it was to promote some of this natural attrition because otherwise th- that's how they avoided the layoffs. So promoted this um, education. The loyal, the loyal people who – the people who were loyal and – stayed were well educated and kept happy and the people who just took the education and left well they weren't loyal so they were gone so it was kind of like they saw it as a win-win and it was kind of interesting Hmm. so anyway go ahead those are a couple of the main ones that come along there does anything else come as a advantage for you in this particular cross-training mode well you know one thing is i mean it's clear and let's not forget the people who were affected or directly involved with this project they you know from a program value point of view all they saw was like a shuffling but they didn't see anybody get let go yep yep i mean they 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 see the other person getting a different opportunity you know almost you can you know you can push it in a different way hey here's a growth opportunity anyone from the team is interested here's an option for you you know you can almost put it as a you know because of your success here's something that opened a door for you or for one of you you can even present it that way Right, good point. So, you know, those are some of the advantages. The disadvantages, you're probably getting somebody out there, again, if it's from, like I was giving, if you're talking of an operator or an analyst going to a completely different area, sales or marketing, can somebody with really no experience be as effective or as efficient as somebody seasoned that can deliver you the same output? You know, so maybe you might not just need one person. You might need three people to actually get that one person's job done, at least for an initial frame of time. Sure. Okay. And as and as an organization or as an individual manager, CEO, are you willing to pay for that? Pay for, you know, 
pay to show that you're not laying people off and you're trying to give them other opportunities. Right. So, I mean, you're talking about investing in, you know, say, because you're losing people from an, uh, basically an operation line of something, right? Analysts or, um, and you, in order to capitalize on the capacity, you need somebody in sales. So that's probably one of the more difficult transition I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I can do the other way, right? You had a big customer service team or a call center team. You improved your operations or your call volume or how to handle things and made it much more smoother or easier. Or you opened a web portal that will help answer a whole bunch of questions without having to come to the phone lines. You made those significant improvements. Can you teach the salesperson now to go or the customer service person now to go actually manufacture something in the office or... Or, you know, do the accounting work, which is that's where you're holding back or send invoices out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe, maybe not. It depends on the experience of the person or the team or what you're trying to get to there. It depends on how separated they are. I mean, I mean, I could see moving customer service into maybe inside sales and then inside sales to outside sales. I mean, because you're, you're on the same track and maybe even from the shop floor to customer service um, because of, you know, there is a congruency of of knowledge that, you have to that experience is helpful right absolutely um in that but going right from you know the person who who sweeps the shop floor and you don't need them anymore to frontline sales that's a huge jump so in order for this to be more realistic i see you know probably a whole bunch of different bodies that would have to be shuffled around in an organization in order to take that and and that just seems like you know like a big investment for somebody to you know, say, yeah, let's do that instead of saying, ah, just get rid of them. Exactly. I mean, it's a lot of work to make that work. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that I think is the biggest disadvantage on making one of this, making this example work. Now, in some cases, it, some companies do it fantastically. Some folks don't want to go through the effort. I would like to hear of a, of a success story of where somebody did this a- absolute tactic and successfully and said, yes, we move people around cross-trained and that was and and we didn't let go of anybody and nobody left and that was you know the story of our success so if anybody has that story please let us know yeah i mean you know a quick drop i think where i work now in the financial services world we actually try to employ this a lot now granted the 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 automatic attrition that we refer to in the advantage happens more often than not but that's, again, because we hire a whole bunch of junior analysts, you know, pe- people who are right out of the college who are looking to always grow and keep moving. So they, they actually like the fact that they're learning more at the same time because now they're getting cross-trained and moving to different sections and areas. Sure, okay. But, you know, o- over time, that attrition rate also automatically happens. I don't think in the history of all the projects we've done, which I think we've think completed now about 50 to 55 projects over mm-hmm. the last three to four years. Uh, I don't think we've laid off a single person as a result of the project. So oh. we don't have that trouble. Excellent. There's a tactic that I'm actually more of a fan of. And um, I've heard of it being used. I've never actually seen it. Um, you know, but it's one that, for me, makes sense. And that's that's actually, if you're going to lay off, do it before you start the project. And I'm talking like a month or two before you start so, you know, say the program office says, we're going to do this project in this area, black belt, master black belt, champion, whomever, go through, do your valuation, um, your financial benefits evaluation, and, and then up front, you know 
where you know where you're going to get your cost benefits from if you are successful in that project, right? And so make your cuts then. You go ahead and make your cuts before the project even starts. And there's a couple of real pros with that. And a, the layoff itself is not contingent on the project's success. It's like it's not directly associated. Lean Six Sigma can actually come in to be the hero rather than the villain because um, once you take somebody out of the mix, your the resources, everything becomes a little bit more constrained. Everything becomes a little bit more difficult. They start to feel the pain of the inefficiency of it, um, and then you come in and say, "Okay, well, let's now that we are running with less people." Let's go ahead and, and fix this. You're going to say it's almost like reverse psychology. You know, you know, you don't have a choice but to improve. Otherwise, you're just going to drown. So make make it your best bet to go ahead and improve your process. That's kind of well. What. No, at some point, it's, I mean, it's not really drowning. It's not like we're saying, you know, cutting you know, fifty percent of the workforce. I mean, if you get rid no. of certain percentage, but it is like a little bit like teaching you to swim mm-hmm. by sticking you in the deep end, you know what exactly. I mean? Yep. <laughs> you know, um, a little bit, a little bit, but, um, you know, you, you, it's remarkable. Let's just say there's a safety net, but it's, it is remarkable what somebody, you know, what kind of innovative ideas can come out of a situation like that. Um, I can only imagine how happy I would be if, if through no control of my own or whatever, I'm doing, you know, one and, you know, 25% extra work, I'm working overtime, more hours than ever before, and somebody says in, comes in and says, we notice things are not so efficient here, we would like to make your job easier um, and your day more comfortable, I'd say, heck yeah, please, because I'm dying here. And I would gladly welcome that person into my area. To, uh, to make things easier for me. It's almost like that saying, necessity is the mother of all invention, right? So if you need exactly. it, you can make it work it. I mean, it is a, I mean, there is a big risk, right? You're, you're almost betting that you're going to be successful. What happens if you're not successful? You're going to keep them, you know, it, like you said, if you're going to keep them in the deep end without a life vest. <laughs> and, you know, chances are you're taking a risk, they might drown at some point if they don't pull, them also, pull themselves right. out of there. Right, and... and- probably have people you know you know and i talk about the classic layoff you know one classic pattern that i didn't really talk about was you know the annual layoff where they end up replacing those people anyway yep, you know yep. that they, <laughs> that they let go and if, if you take this risk and this bet and you are wrong you're surely just going to replace it rather than getting rid of the waste in the system you're just going to replace them with another another head or end up you know hiring the person back I mean, I can see, you know, one of the things that might affect here is also you're probably going to take a short-term hit on all your metrics. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's a big risk there, again, saying, you know, you're consciously now making it, making an effort to say, hey, we might not hit our goals or we might not hit our metrics. So there is a need for us to do that, to, to make that improvement because of multiple factors. Now, we're short people, you're working more harder, and our overall metrics are hit. So... People might get demotivated because, you know, let's be honest, a lot of the operations folks or a lot of the analyst folks are based on volume or based on how much they're processing. And if they can't hit their metrics in many organizations, their bonuses or their even pays are tied to what they're producing. Right. Yeah. And that's going to be tough for me to swallow if I'm, say, the plant manager and saying, 
you know, I'll do this, but uh, I don't want it to affect my bonus. I want to change. I want to change my goal for on-time delivery or something like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there's also one, you know, disadvantage, and and um, you know, I, I, there's a saying out there: um, they're not that dumb, and you're not that smart, right? Uh, yes, there's no cause and effect um, necessarily, but the smarter people will notice that there is a pattern. Hey, you know, before Six Sigma comes in, we always lose a, pe- a person, you know, instead of it being after Lean Six Sigma comes in. It is, you know, have you ever noticed that about two months before um, a Lean Six Sigma project starts, you know, somebody gets let go? Um, so when a project is decided in an area, I think some people will start to figure it out and they will talk and they, it is possible that they'll notice the pattern. So you don't want to do this Forever, <laughs> right? Absolutely not. Yeah. That's true. And this is one that's kind of near and dear to me, and this kind of combats one of the classics: poor performance. I mean, for crying out loud, if you're gonna lay someone off for poor performance, why don't you just get rid of them for cause? You know, um, instead of choosing the weakest link, the easy out, and or or um, just making it easier for, I don't know, calling it a layoff for poor performance, more than likely, the people around know who the poor performers are. Their peers, they know. They might be friends, but they say, hey, yeah, you're a lazy worker. I don't really like working with you. I like you, but I'd rather not work with you. They would not be surprised or really hold management or a program at fault if somebody got let go for good reason poor performance. I mean, that's my personal opinion. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I, I mean, that's just being honest, right? Straight up, you're not performing well. This is what happens if you don't perform. And you're, you're clearly sending a message, and that's got nothing to do with the program or anything of that sort. That is how a manager needs to be a manager. That's just management, right? Yeah. And yeah. somebody who's let go for poor performance, you know, say somebody's let go uh, in a layoff, right, for poor performance. They maybe were told that they were performing poorly once, to get rid of somebody for poor performance, you know, at fault, you know, for cause, they have to be told numerous times. It has to be documented. I mean, you really have to manage this person. They really, really have to have not turned around in order to be let go for cause. And, and, and that's that's what really comes back to management. It takes a lot of work to do this. So, so what I see is, you know, the pros for this. You know, I th- I do believe that peers can get behind, you know, somebody who's dismissed for poor performance. And some of them may have been actually hoping and waiting for it. It does raise the bar for everybody else's expectations. And for the company, at least in the U.S., for the most part, it saves on payout of unemployment benefits. However, if firing for poor performance is done and is still associated with the Lean Six Sigma program... You know, a layoff or fire for cause. If you continue to do that and it's still associated with the program, it doesn't really dissociate you with from, from the program. And it's not easy to get rid of somebody for poor performance, right? Uh, yeah, it I mean, takes you know, a lot of time and management. As you were saying that, I was just thinking, you know, I mean, it probably doesn't even have to be a project. For some reason, if you start bringing metrics up somehow and the metric is tied to individual goals or performance and you'd be like, well... Up until this metric came into place, I was fine. Now that the metrics are here, it's showing that I'm a poor performer, and now that's what got rid of him. So 
even that those sort of mentalities because I can I can think of many 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 teams and organizations that have no metrics no clue that's how true. they operate that's true that's a good point and you know anytime you know let's be honest anytime you want to do a lean or a six sigma project you need some data you need some you're going to make data driven decisions and irrespective of whether it was a layoff or you know attrition by performance if it is again coming down to you know the numbers prove it that way there is a chance it's going to get associated with the program right right so i mean it has its again and everything has its benefits or not it's more about what is a good management practice and again managing by metrics is something you always want to be doing as an organization mm-hmm. you be always having some numbers some goals you're hitting now certain numbers can look skewed in one direction versus the other so you want to be clear about what you're looking at also you're not you're setting up the goals or you're setting up standards based on what is realistic and not what you know you can have an exceptional performer process parts at an exceptional rate you can't hold everybody to that standard right right so, that's a good point yep so you you know as even as management you want to be conscious about those kind of things you know the one thing about firing for cause and and frankly any of these other layoff um, tactics you know the classic layoffs even for every poor performer for every team that's out of balance you know maybe they have too many people or um, you know, even even the outcasts. You know, behind the scenes is a manager that's probably not quite done their job. If you have persistent poor performance from a team, you have a manager who's not managing that team, and then behind that manager, you have a director that is not making it important for that manager to manage that team. So if you move up the line, I mean, if you really want to get rid of a line worker. Let's think about the performance of the people who let them fail. Don't forget that behind behind every failed worker is a failed leader. Absolutely. I don't think anybody goes in that direction, though. And just to sweeten the deal, a leader who fails a worker um, can also be let go for poor performance, and you get a lot money, a lot more money back for them, especially because <laughs> they're overhead. They don't actually make a part. The value is is on the shop floor. Why would you get rid of them? Now you're. Now you're being biased, Dory. Oh, come now on, come the, on, come now on. the opinion comes out. Oh, no, 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 no. This is accounting 101. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the $15 an hour wage worker who's making the part that the customer actually buys is, uh, you know, not going to bring – it's not going to bring much value to the bottom line than the pure overhead, you know, 60000 or or $100,000 worker. Yeah, no, I – All right, I will stop there. <laughs> All right, so, yep, uh, off my soapbox. So I do realize layoffs are a reality, and sometimes they have to happen. There are some alternatives. If you get a little bit creative, we presented, you know, two or three possible creative alternatives to making sure that these are disassociated from um, uh, any Lean Six Sigma program. And why do I care about Lean Six Sigma program? It's not just because I love Lean Six Sigma programs. It's because they're designed to help keep you know, to help him make a company work most efficiently. And, you know, these kind, kinds of disruptions anywhere in operations need to be mitigated. So finding some way to mitigate the kind of damage that mass layoffs or any kind of other layoffs have on your, you know, your core strategy, whether it's your continuous improvement program, whether it's your product development program, anything you don't want your core strategies to be disrupted by you know these sorts of um, short-term things yeah so you know 
one of the other things that I want to make sure that the listeners are listening to this, you know, I'm, most of our feedback has been that we've got a good group of, you know, between green belts, black belts, folks who are practicing this a lot. And the question might arise, what influence do I have over the organization that's going to stop them from doing some of these habits? And, you know, the topic that we are covering here is how can you influence management to realize these things or the organization to realize this? There's more for a call for action to even the managers to recognize and realize this is something that you should be conscious of because if you're trying to make a quality program, a Lean and Six Sigma program, be successful in your organization, if you tie it to this sort of a behavior, that's going to then that's going to result in getting bad results or people not supporting you. So this is more for having everybody recognize that don't necessarily equate it to this. And if you have to somehow hit that bottom line, here are some alternative ways that you can go about making this work for your program. So I just wanted to make sure everybody feels that this is not just the black belt or the master black belt's role alone because not many organizations, the, the black belt or the master black belt or even the green belt has the say in some of the decisions that get made. It's how can you influence the organization. Perfect. Thank you, Jacob. Mm, no problem. All right, and thanks everybody for listening. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks for listening to episode 20 of the eSuccess Methods podcast. Stay tuned for episode number 21, where we review roles and responsibilities in the Lean Six Sigma community, the central role of the champion, and what actions you can take if you find gaps in your program. Subscribe to receive past and future episodes through iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at, at eSuccessIndustries. Join our discussion group on LinkedIn or leave comments on our website, www.esuccess-methods.com. Journey through success.